Welcome to Spin It, a business podcast that takes you into the lives of some of today's most influential leaders, entrepreneurs, game changers, athletes, and many more. On Spin It, we take a deep dive into the lives and journeys of our guests to deliver real, unfiltered, and unscripted conversations that will surely inspire hope and promote change. We focus not on their current success, but on the obstacles and challenges that they faced along the way that often doesn't get talked about. How they battled adversity, getting up and being knocked down when all of the odds were stacked against them. Today, I'm talking to Pinky Galini. Pinky holds a special place in my heart because we met in Paris. Our children kept looking at each other on a boat cruise, and they finally ended up speaking. Pinky and I spoke for hours, and we had so much in common. I am so excited to have her on the show. With over 25 years as an editor and an on-screen personality, Pinky uses her storytelling skills to lift up women and refugees through her humanitarian work. She works with the UN Refugee Agency and hosts an internet TV show, What Women Want. Pinky is also one of Kenya's most renowned public speakers and a regular on the TEDx stage. Pinky is truly one of a kind. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Hello, beautiful Pinky, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on your podcast, and I love it. I love everything about it. Thank you so much. So, so Pinky, I was doing the research and I was going through all of the amazing, amazing things that you do, but I wanted to go off script a little bit and I wanted you to be able to tell all of our listeners how we met. Oh, <laughs> we met in Paris. It's so romantic. We will never forget one another. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were having dinner. So true. And- or at least our children. Our children will live. So basically, what our kids sort of just connected your son and my daughter, and um, because of them, you and I started started um, having a conversation, and I met your eldest daughter, and um, we ended up sitting together. The three of us ended up sitting together, and our son, uh, your son, and my daughter, ended up um, on an impromptu date in Paris at eight. <laughs> How old were they? At eight. <laughs> Gosh. So the funny thing about this, uh, Pinky is extremely, extremely gracious. Um, Her daughter is exceptionally beautiful and looks like a little princess. And my son couldn't keep his eyes off of her. And he kept staring and staring and staring. And I kept saying, go over and say hello, but stop being a weirdo. (laughs) And so he went over to this beautiful, angelic angel. And then all of a sudden... These two were on a top deck of a boat hanging out down the Seine River in Paris. Can you imagine? I mean, and and Stephanie and I've always discussed like if if they were to ever pick it up, you know, where they left off like many years down the road, it'd be amazing. I mean, can you just imagine that though? That is like such the pictures that they took and you know, even the fact, you know, Caden still asks. He's like, "Hey mom, are we going to go to Africa?" And I think it's amazing that it was such an incredible experience for them. So I was so happy to meet you and to stay in touch and to really get to know you and all of the things that you're about. So thank you again for that incredible experience. No, thank you. And it was it was fun to have some adult conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> for dinner. So Pinky, tell tell my listeners, um, tell my listeners about you. Tell tell my listeners about what you do and about some of your ongoing humanitarian efforts? Um, so I'll just give you a bit of a background of who I am. I 
I've worked in radio as a television, uh, sorry, as a radio presenter. I've worked in TV as a television presenter. I've also worked in print media as an editor of certain magazines within the East African uh, sort of space here in, in Kenya. And um, because of all this, I've, I'm grateful to be somewhat of a household name in, in Kenya. And um, that is my background. I'm very much a part of the media world. I also stepped into the pageant world as Miss India Kenya. I, um, this was 21 years ago. I won the title. And this is, you know, when you're talking about my daughter, I, I said to her the other day, I'm like, it's been 21 years. And she, she put me in my place and she goes, okay, what made you better than the rest? And I could not answer that, you know, and I, I'm always teaching her not to compare herself to other people. So That's incredible, especially because she is so beautiful and she is so strong-willed and she is so incredibly smart. So that gift that she got from you about kind of, so what, mom? You know, what made you different? Yeah. So what's I, I love the thought process. And yeah, I mean, you know, so I always say my kids – ground me and humbled me. So as much as I've achieved in my eyes quite a bit, I'm always humbled when I'm at home. Um, so yeah, and I also do a lot of work with UNHCR. I'm a high-level influencer, they call it, or a high-level supporter. Um, and, uh, you know, because of that, I bring awareness of refugees. There are a lot of refugees who live within Kenya and um, who are displaced in Africa. So our you know, our whole thing of, um, so, or my mother is going behind the refugees is that we don't, we don't need to wait for handouts. We can do it ourselves. We can help each other. And um, I'm also big on women empowerment, like huge. So, you know, I call myself a conversation curator. So I look for conversations that sort of change the narrative that make you a bit uncomfortable. So, you know, saying things that are not necessarily normal, quote, unquote, normal, um, and then making it a staple sort of word in in my vocabulary so that you get used to um, what you're going to get from me when you come onto any of my social media platforms. That's incredible. And we're going to talk about a lot of your refugee work and a lot of the empowerment, the voice that you, that you give to women. Before that, I want to talk about you as a child. And I want to talk about what was the most important thing that you learned growing up as a child and what was your childhood like? Oh, wow. Okay. So my uh, father died when I was six. That was extremely, yeah, huge, huge loss for, for me. Something also as a six-year-old, I couldn't really wrap my head around it. So every few months I'd be like, okay, is he coming back yet? Is he coming back yet? Um, but then I guess it's it's some sort of trauma that you do carry with you. And because I've, I've um, you know, through my work, I do a lot of mental wellness um, and I call myself a mental health advocate. I'm aware of what's going on within me and what, what you know, where it came from in my childhood. Um, but yeah, I, I had two brothers. Um, it was beautiful growing up in Nairobi, uh, Kenya in uh, the 70s and 80s. It was a very simple life, but still developing. You know, Nairobi's really developed and it was great to see this development and constantly be a part of it. Um, and we had um, private school education, which is mostly British schools, but 
are um, on offer over here, although now we do have more American systems. So I went to a British school and uh, when I was about 14, I was heavily bullied by my friends in school. So I, I mean, I'm very grateful to my mother who listened to me because she didn't push me to sort of go, go into school, go, go back to school. She took me out of school because I was oh, so bullied. What were you bullied over? Um, so I'd like to say that I remember, I don't, I know that, um, and you know, I don't want to sound very arrogant saying this, but I know that, um, my father was an extremely wealthy man. I never saw any part of that. Well, I was a trust fund baby up until, but you know, it's a whole story. There's a lot of like family politics and stuff like that involved, but because of that, you know, my pencil cases were from the UK at, the, at a time where things weren't available from here or even from India where you got, you know, the smelly erasers and stuff like that, smelly stickers. Um, and I would carry them to school and, and I feel like, you know, those would go missing, they'd be hidden, they'd be thrown in the bin. I'd get, you know, new running shoes, those would disappear. And I couldn't understand. I was, you know, just taunted by my classmates. That must have been just absolutely horrible, especially after not having a dad and about having these, you know, these, I mean, those are very privileged things, but it's not like you wouldn't have shared them or it wasn't like you wouldn't have, you know, just been so gracious with those things. So that must have been terribly hard just going, why am I the one that's getting bullied? I, yeah, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why it was me. And, you know, my mom had this sort of attitude of, <clears throat> don't worry too much, you know, and she came in with this whole thing of hang out with the boys, don't hang out with the girls because girls are petty and they gossip and they're mean. So hang out with the boys. So that's what I started doing. But that aggravated the situation even more. And then you get another kind of bullying with that. That's it. So obviously the two older girls, they had a lot of the same things. Their things would disappear or, you know, girls would call them names. And I said, you guys just hang out with your guy friends. Like it's so much easier. And they did. And it was great. Like they had such a great time and there was no gossip and they had, you know, a lot of fun and they parted ways very easily. But then the new kind of gossip kind of started and the new kind of bullying started. So, you know, it's just kind of trading one for another, but thank goodness for your mom being so incredibly aware. Yeah, she was, um, you know, and I'm ever grateful to her because I don't know what would have happened if I had continued down that road. So she got me to sit what we would call our O-levels. Um, these are um, exams uh, privately. So I sat them privately and then she changed my school after that. And, um, I did my A-levels thereafter. And then I... Um, was planning to go to UCLA to study law. So I was in LA for a week and my brother died in a car accident. Yeah. So I was 17 at the time and it was just, you know, I just said I would never leave home ever, ever again. And that broke, Gosh. broke me again. Yeah. And so I would love for you, before we move forward, I'd love for you to share some of the stuff about your mom. I just saw one of the recent videos that you posted, and she's so incredibly beautiful inside and out, but kind of your tragedy doesn't really stop there. Oh, I wish it had. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I wrote a 
I think I wrote a blog and I even did a, a, a talk uh, locally about how every decade of my life has had some sort of a fabulous, you know, spanner in the works. Um, just before I turned 40, my mom had a stroke right in front of my eyes and my daughter. And um, it was a full-blown stroke. She, she lost uh, movement on her right, uh, the complete right side paralyzed till date. This was six years ago. And um, she lost her speech, so she's aphasic. So it's very hard to, to get her to communicate or to even understand what she, she needs or wants. Um, but she's super resilient, my mother, super resilient. In the very, very short video that I saw, Pinky, um, her personality is glowing. That was the first yeah. thing that I noticed. I'm like, okay, I know where Pinky gets this because <laughs> she's glowing, she's smiling, and she's happy, and she's she is not communicative as much as you would like, but you can just see in her overall love for you, you can just see that in her. And I often, like when I was watching you and your daughter, there's so many similarities that you just get from these right? little videos with your mom. <laughs> I, Good and I bad. <laughs> I mean, my daughter is, my husband says that, like, you're just like your grandmother because she's extremely outspoken. And my mom was the same, you know, my, and that's what the tragedy is here, Stephanie, is that my mom was an outspoken very vocal woman and for her to be disempowered by losing her voice um just just completely you know i question i fought with god for a long time because of that but when i look at my daughter i'm like okay it's there her voice is there right <laughs> yeah, you're like mm, sometimes i just wish you'd be a little quiet <laughs> yeah, so exactly. pinky <laughs> exactly so you talk a lot about the journey and not so much the destination. And again, we connected on so many levels. We connected on, you know, both of us losing our dads. We connected on both of us losing our brothers. We connected on the kids and, and our view on the kids and, and them experiencing themselves. One of the things that you said when we met was you were so grateful for the journey and didn't really focus much on the destination. And so a lot of times when I talk to my listeners or my listeners, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll write in or they ask a question. Some of the things that they say is, how can you be so happy and so willing to give of yourself when you've lost so, so much? Like one of those losses would have been enough to put somebody, you know, completely down. But you've gone through significant loss. And, and just like you said, you know, my father drowned when I was three. My mom had the total psychotic break and I moved out at 15. And then, you know, loss after loss after loss. How are you still willing to show up and serve? And I took that, I took that question. I, I didn't answer it. I really wanted to focus and think about it. And I get often coached a lot on being more selfish. They say, Stephanie, you should be more selfish with your time or you should be more selfish and do more for you. And I have to be honest, I've really tried. Like I've really tried to say no and be selfish. And then I just felt like I was completely acting out of alignment with who I was and the impact I could possibly, hopefully, have on others. And so when you and I met, you said so many people care about the destination, but they're not really enjoying the journey. Tell me more about that. I mean – 
in what is the destination? Where are we headed? Where are we going? And um, what what is it that's going to make you put your feet up and sigh and go, okay, uh, I'm done. Uh, I've I've arrived. This is where I want to be. I think it's human nature to continuously look for new adventures, or um, you know, even go through emotions in a different way. Like how you handle emotions today are not the same way you'd handle emotions when you were 15. So because of that, you know, there's there's growth there, and you, I feel that there's a never-ending journey, and the destination. Um, is something that you know we we've labeled it because uh, we we need to say okay there is an, an end here or there is there is a certain place to be by a certain time. I just feel that we've forgotten to enjoy the journey. It sounds like a cliche. It sounds like something that has been said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know when when we're being extremely mindful, this is where the mindfulness part comes in. Then you start to you know soak in your experiences and that is the journey this is what's leading you to your uh, evolving your growth you becoming who you who you're meant to be and who um you you know you're moving further away from who you are today and that's that's the beautiful part discovering who you are learning who you are so I think that that's so incredibly important. And before we talk about your refugee work and before we talk about the humanitarian work and the women, the work you do with women, one of my most favorite things about you, and there's so many things, is how, you know, people say this all the time, oh, your authentic self or, you know, be real or all of those things. Pinky, seriously, you are an incredible inspiration there are times where I wake up and I see, again, I, I go back to your incredibly beautiful inside and out, but there are times where I get up and I see your post and your makeup isn't on and you're like, yep, bad day, fell apart today. And you ask a poll and you say, how do you, when you're struggling, how do you do this? Because I'm truly struggling today. Or I left and I went to go put on my makeup and start the day and I turned around and came back home. You are so honest and you are so authentic. How do you do that when you wake up in the morning and you're like, this is just not going to be a good day? You have so many thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are watching you, every single move you make, Pinky. How do you do that? How do you gain the confidence to be that real and authentic? I think um, it's it's really a whole and soul part of my upbringing. I saw my mother step into her element um, in every part of her life and even as she is today. There is no denying it. There's no faking it. You know, she's in a wheelchair and she cannot speak. And when she needs to shout, she will shout the house down or the mall down. And, you know, that's who she is. And I think because I've seen it um, in her journey and there's no there's no better thing than showing up as your authentic self. Like I, I, I did this and I saw my gray hair and I quickly <laughs> I was like, oops. But even now, Stephanie, I'm like, I, I haven't put in, on much makeup. I know you have so many people who watch your podcast. And I'm like, this is who I am. It really is who I am. And I, I think there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, can I call it AI or a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fake for lack of a better, bigger word. Um, available right now. So you can, you can fake it completely. Absolutely. You know, I could 
put on a green screen and make it look like I'm sitting by the beach or my beach villa. And, you know, I, I would have gone and done my hair and whatever. But I'm all for stepping into who you are, because at the end of the day, who, who else can you be but yourself? So that resonated with me so much. And and obviously, you know, not because I um, am on TV or any of those things, not because I have a massive following, not because of any of those things. But when you start doing podcasts, you start doing videos, you have to start, you know, being on more, you know, getting haircuts more and, you know, new makeup. And Devin was so excited. She was like, yes, I finally get like the glamour <laughs> mom. And, and I was like in and I was out. I was like, no way you know, I have soccer to tend to, I need, I have clients that I need to get to. And it started to be a point of contention. I'll tell you why. So there's a lot of photography, as you know, and they want you in natural situations. Well, my natural situation is not me looking like I just stepped out of Prada or Vogue magazine. Okay. My natural situation is making sure that everything is good for everyone around me. So a lot of times that's with my hair on top of my head and no makeup and running to 16 different things while doing conference calls. That's real. And when I got there, Pinky, when I got there, I actually felt safer. I felt more real. I felt less worried because I was truly being, when I was saying, hey, I'm not for everybody. I'll help you. I may say no, I will help you. I'll refer you. But this is really, truly who I am. It felt so much better for me. Is that how it was with you? Is it? It's completely freeing because you don't have to worry about, and, and like you said, I'm not for everybody. So if you don't like it, you can switch it off or unfollow or block or whatever you'd like to do. But um, no one, none of us wake up like we've just walked out, out of the cover, you know, out of a cover of a photo shoot um, of, of, sorry, a magazine, or like we've walked out of a photo shoot. We are, this is what we look like. And, you know, we do have days where we feel worse than what we look like. And, and that's okay. And that's, again, something that I'm passionate about is, is telling yourself that it's okay. Like, I think I've had breakdowns on, on my social media. Um, just not like crying, but just like, you know, the, the dark night of the soul. I think I've, I've had that in a very public way. And I'm okay with that because it's exactly who I am. And I'm able to show it to anybody who's watching to say, it is, it's so okay to be you. It's so okay to have dark moments. It's so okay to, to struggle. The thing is, is what you do with that and how you come out of it. So with me, Stephanie, sorry if I'm, I'm, you know, going on and on a bit, but I do, I've have been in this world for a long time. So modeling and, and photo shoots and, and, you know, even when I got married, I was like, I don't want too much. I, I don't want a big gown. I don't want, I just want it simple because that for me is my reality. That's real. That's, that's a, coming from a genuine space. You can do a lot of show and woo and wow and sparkle mm -hmm. and glamour. For the world, yes, you can absolutely put on a show. But when people are coming to you for authenticity, then please, by all means, deliver it because that's what they will, that's where they gain, I think, as well. And that's where people feel comfortable to show up as themselves as well. So do you get mean messages or do you get haters or do you get people that say just really hurtful things? Uh, yes. I mean. 
<laughs> How do you handle it? But like I said, I've, I've been in the business for so long. Um, I remember, and you know, I go back to my mother again, where she'd be like, you need thick skin. Or, you know, if you can't uh, take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Simple. So it's it takes a lot. It, it really does, Stephanie. You know this as well. It takes a lot. And it's your self-talk. And I always say control your self-talk because she, she can go on and on and on and on and on. So you, you should be able to sort of just silence her. And, and what, what you say to yourself really matters, Stephanie. Um, if you believe what other people say, um, then, you know, you will go down a different path. So you need to be able to control what you're saying to yourself. I think that's so important, especially because right now, how many people have access to, to social media? And it's actually really interesting. And I don't know if you feel the same, but it's actually interesting for me because I'm very grateful and I'm very blessed. I haven't had a ton and I haven't been doing it as long as you have by any stretch of the imagination. I haven't had a ton of hate or mean or whatever, but it's actually extremely interesting what you say, because when I have, I don't feel angry and I don't feel sad. I feel like, oh gosh, hurt people, hurt people. Um, I don't feel like I want to get back. I don't feel like I want to respond. I don't feel like I don't have any like um, anxious, nervous, angry feelings at all. I just feel like I wish them the best and I hope that they get into a better spot. Um, And I, again, I go back to, I saw one of your posts a few months ago where you said something very similar where you're just like, there's so much love in the world and there's so much great in the world. It's really on how you focus your mind and that self-talk. That's it. I mean, if you are able to understand, and this is why I wish I was taught this when I was younger, but I am purposeful on teaching my children this, that if somebody doesn't like you, it has nothing to do with you. It's something that they are going through. And if somebody doesn't like you, that is it's it's okay you know um it we we don't have to be liked by everyone and that's something that I I think I came to terms with maybe 10 years ago I wish I'd known this when I was younger it wouldn't have you know because I was sort of drawn back because of a lot of the the bullying and and then when I went into radio there was a lot of you know dislike or hate um and I wish I'd kept telling myself that it's not it's not my problem that they don't like me. You know, going back to what you said, I'm, I'm not for everybody. And that's okay. You can find your, you know, that's why we have so many varieties and so many flavors. Um, go find your flavor. Go find what suits you. I love that. I want to talk about your refugee work. And you've done some incredibly amazing things with UNHCR. Before understanding the refugee crisis, what were your original opinions of the situation? Um, so I always shrugged my shoulders and, and thought that um, it's not my problem. I always um, envisioned, you know, them refugees sort of coming in and, and uh, leeching um, off our governments or different countries or, you know, spoiling communities. I, I had a really um, bad sort of image of what a refugee is um and then of course me living in africa but there is that image of a child with a huge stomach with a fly on on their lip i don't know if you if you can visualize what i'm trying to talk about 
and you know just just like looking for that food or the empty cup in their hand looking for that food and um you know when i when i was approached by UNHCR first of all it was such an honor to be recognized to be a voice for for people uh who have fled their homes not because they have chosen to but because they had absolute they were forced out you know and being in africa um and and having witnessed several elections in kenya in nairobi kenya uh where the country is somewhat destabilized i then began to understand why a person flees from their country and you flee with nothing you don't have your you know your documentation of your master's degree you don't have your passport you don't have a suitcase and you know i put myself in that situation like i say go back to my mom in a wheelchair um my pets well, what am i going to run away with you know my kids um how many things and and will I, you know if if god forbid things go crazy in this country will i be in a space where i'm at home and i can grab a passport uh my kids and start running towards the border it's highly unlikely so when you start to empathize with people and their situations that's when you understand that people <clears throat> especially refugees they don't want to be in this situation i remember when i started speaking to them they're like we don't like the term refugee we don't like that term it's derogatory um and then when i went to the refugee camps i mean i really had a different image of what a refugee camp looked like it's it's a community you know they're thriving they're successful they're doing business they're doing lunches and dinners and fashion shows <clears throat> so i was pleasantly pleasantly surprised and why shouldn't these people get opportunities like the rest of us just because they were forced to flee a country So I want to take a step back because a lot of our listeners aren't versed in this type of situation and I want to make sure that everybody really understands. Can you explain to our audience what's currently going on like right now within the African countries that forced them to flee their home? People will say unrest and they will say, you know, upheaval of the government, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what does that really mean? Talk to us about what those things mean. Um I know that a lot of the times the people will run or flee from their country is uh like what happened in Rwanda the genocide so it was one tribe after another tribe they're trying to you know completely finish a tribe so if you're from a certain tribe you need to save and protect yourself so you're running towards some sort of um border and some sort of safety net um if there's civil war for example or um you know the government has been overthrown most of the time it's war unfortunately um and i i could share a heartbreaking story a heartbreaking story of a woman from the congo and in the congo they have they do have the government but they have like the guerrilla military and i think this is when they were going through some 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 sort of unrest within that space and um you know if you've got a gun on you and you come and you approach a woman you have power and this woman was approached she was with her husband she was shot uh, sorry he was shot and she was told 
come with your children and follow us. And she narrated the story that took about three months of walking in a forest. She says, I didn't know when it was day. I didn't know when it was night. And, you know, they would always threaten us uh, by pointing a gun to my children. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do, your, your children um, will die. And they finally take them to a camp. <clears throat> and this is, I guess, where all, all of them are. And um, every night she was told to, because what she did is she was thrown into the kitchens. So every night she was told to boil water for food, food that is coming. And she, the first night she was repulsed to learn that food is actually human beings chopped up and she had to cook them. Ah, oh, and you know, I mean, the, the, the stories that came, then the other thing was that um, her baby was put in a boiling hot cauldron in front of her eyes as she screamed for, you know, please let my baby go. And her brother and sister tried to, sorry, her kids, the baby's brother and sister tried to save them, the baby, and they were being, and you know, it's laughter, it's gunfire, it's really, you know, uh, craziness up um, when it comes to the mental torture around this and they finally let her lift her baby out of the water and she says and his skin just fell off you know she's narrating the story to us in a in a refugee camp in in Kenya many years later but I cannot imagine this is one woman one woman's story and so, Pinky, whenever you tell me that story and I'm sitting here watching you and I'm looking at you, and, and by the way, when I go back and I look through how many times a year you do this and how involved you are, how do you take care of yourself mentally after that? Because I know for me, when I see something on TV that I'm not necessarily engulfed in, but I, I see it passing, it makes me physically ill to think about what these women and children are going through. And, and men as well, just they, they definitely tend to play more on the woman and the children. What do you do to take care of yourself? What are you feeling when you leave these camps? I mean, I, we, I think I cry more than the refugees in that situation because the refugees, the, the, the women who I speak to, whatever, they've gone through it. They've, they've shed their tears. I think they're, they're, probably somewhat um, unfazed by, you know, the narration of their story. They're, they've done it. They've seen it. They've done it. They've lost people the closest, who are the closest to them. But I think crying crying with them or crying there and just shedding those tears immediately is something that I allow myself to do. Um, but then, you know, coming back and, and talking about it, um, whether to a mental health expert or to to somebody who knows, or even just journaling about it. Because I know I've put myself in this space to be able to help other people. But if I don't hear the stories, then how will I be able to tell the stories uh, to people who are going to support um, these women in their camps? So it's pretty horrific stuff, but I try and detach as much as I can. Well, you have to. I mean, you have to for your self-preservation and be able to tell the story to get them support and get them the most help that they can you do have to detach a bit from that. I mean for this story when she was narrating it I had to stop her and I got up and I threw up yeah 
And, you know, we came back a few days later and she continued the story. I couldn't. You can just imagine. I, I couldn't. Well, I uh, can imagine because I have chills like yeah. right now. Just I feel, I feel just sick thinking about yeah. how are <laughs> refugees currently handled in countries that allow them sanctuary? And is there a stigma against them? I know you had mentioned that they don't like being called refugees. But once they get over into that kind of safe country, how are they handled? I mean, when they're in, in Kenya, unfortunately, they cannot be become a part of the community. Uh, so that's why they are in a camp and separated from people. Uh, the Kenyan government doesn't allow it as such. When you move into Uganda, uh, the Ugandan government is probably, should I say, more welcoming. So they do give, they do allow you to prosper within their economy. Um, you can buy land, you can send your children to school, you know, within um, those spaces. But within Kenya, it's still not possible. So they are segregated, they are separate. Uh, they they need a special pass um, to leave the camp, and then they have a certain amount of time to get back into the camp. Wow, it's pretty bizarre. How does I mean, the human... yeah, in, in the twenty first century? Can you? Yeah, imagine that's what that? I was just going to say. In two thousand twenty one, <laughs> this is like yeah, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. <laughs> And, and then, yeah. you know, the other thing too, Pinky, one of the things I want to touch on a little bit is, is that these are highly educated people. These are not like, you know, as, as we would maybe say in, in the U.S., like these are not homeless. These are not trying to get a handout. These are not people that are trying to like, you know, scrape the government. These are like, these are educated people that are in these refugee camps that are not allowed to practice their trade or their profession or anything these are highly educated people that are just have lost every single thing. So to bring them out of segregation and to, you know, put them into the community would be so uplifting, not only for the community, but for them as well. And it's so not allowed in so many countries. That's it. And you see what the UNHCR is trying to do is repatriate. So get them back safely within their homes once the countries are safe. And they have been successful in doing that uh, with the, the with a few refugees, with a few thousands of refugees, I should say, um, in the recent years. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's hopefully the end goal. And you know, they they do. There are some refugees who who want a green card, who want to to get out of Africa completely. And um, you know, the UNHCR does step in and try and um, sort of help facilitate that as well but the whole goal I feel of the UNHCR is to try and get people back into their um, homelands because once they're space uh, once they're safe then there's space for them that's amazing and so how how long does that usually take for them to to be able to get them back to their country once it becomes safe um I mean it can it can take it's it's a very short amount of time. I, I would say three to six months. Once oh, you know wow. the, the, they feel safe enough to go, they also need to feel safe enough to go back home. Um, a lot of the times, I feel that they just don't want to. Wow, that's that is. I mean, again, when I when I look at all of these, I'm thinking about how long we could talk about the situation and how much good we could do for awareness. And I would love to have you back on the show 
and and to go yeah. through more of this just because I think it's so incredibly sure. fascinating. Right now, I want to talk about giving voices to women in your fourth season of What Women Want. Yeah. Oh, I love my fourth season of What Women Want. It's celebrating superheroes as, as uh, you know, the, the theme is, is uh, celebrating superheroes. Our first season was uh, just straight after COVID hit, which was last year. We tried to you know, go online and create inspirational and uplifting content for for people who are struggling um, and and being at home and being very much online. Our second uh, season was called "Who Are You?" So again, asking people who they are to dig deep, to look for themselves, to find themselves, and then offer that to their communities and their spaces. And then our third season was "Unlearn." Um, so again, you know, having those com- conversations that are uncomfortable. And yeah, urging our, our audiences to unlearn certain narratives. And now we're celebrating superheroes and, you know, we're talking to, to just the, the phenomenal women and what they do and what they, what they're like. There's one lady who is, um, she's managed to recycle plastic and make bricks so she can build houses with this recycled plastic that are now bricks. It's just amazing. I mean, the amount That's of That's incredible. That I actually think I saw that story online and I sent it yeah. out to my network as well. Um, I think that so many people picked that story specifically up because we were talking about innovation. So what does innovation mm-hmm. look like? And of course, depending on where you yeah. are, depending on what level of privilege, depending on what country, and they had like different sources and then they had her recycling yeah. plastics from the rivers and from just, just everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then turning this in, it's, that's just incredible. That's, that's amazing. When you're looking for guests for this specific superhero context, what gets you the most excited to speak to women who have this superhero nature? What are you looking for? Um, just, you know, that person who's not afraid to use their voice. I, I did a post yesterday about, you know, how to use your voice. A lot of the times we sort of um, complain about a problem, but we're really not doing a, anything about it. And I always say, if you complain about something and you're not willing to step into being part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. So it's those people who are looking for, you know, the real solutions, who are going out there, who are risking reputation and being, you know, the underdog or the outcast um, and who are actually making a difference. And there are so many people who are doing that and it's amazing once you and and that's why I keep saying once you step into your power and that's by being your true authentic self then for some you know the seeds just pot and things are made easier and and you you just see um good things happening so it's just that person who's who's really determined on using their voice to make a difference pinky what was the purpose of this show so what was the measurement of success when you started? When you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this. When would you feel successful? Um, so I'll just take you back pre-COVID. It was actually a live event. So it was a panel discussion with six people. And, you know, we just, it was a free to attend event. So we'd talk about anything from friendships to making money to anything that affects women, miscarriages, death, loss. Um, you know, breakups. It was 
just having conversations. And women love to talk, so it was great. And we got such a good response. In fact, our last event was huge. And then, of course, the world shut down. So <laughs> it was reinventing, you know, what women want in the platform. And it became a one-on-one uh, show, a conversation um, between a person who um, has achieved and, and sort of just allowing us to to get into their lives and sharing their journey with us. My measurement of success is I, I say that, you know, the social media platforms are currently extremely noisy. So there's a lot available. There's so much available. I mean, you can be surprised what you'd find podcasts on or, or online, you know, YouTube, uh, um, uh, YouTube videos on. You, you can type in anything and you will find content for that. So it's a very noisy space. So I, I've sort of allowed myself to not go by views and likes, but the actual uh, quality of content. That to me is how I measure success. Because I feel like if I'm able to provide quality content to whoever's watching, even if it's just the one person, then I've succeeded. So what is the most disruptive subject that you guys have spoken about? Uh, We recently talked about toxic motherhood. Um, That is super sensitive because as moms, we don't know when we're being toxic. Um, we've uh, talked about gender-based violence, which is unfortunately such a huge topic at the moment. Stephanie, we lost two. You know, Kenya is known for athletes. We've lost two of our female athletes to gender-based violence. They lost their lives. Their husband killed them. And this has happened in the last two weeks. Yeah, it's it's just... Wow. So you know, there's there's so there are there are so many conversations. We're not afraid of of touching any of these conversations. We're ready to to sort of disrupt. And I think um, there's there's such a huge array of subjects that we're yet to touch on. What is one of the most taboo subjects that you're going to be talking about, and that you are going to want? you know, guests for that are willing to have the conversation. And I, I ask this for, for a very selfish reason. I know sometimes with me, I know women tend to shy back a little bit from the questions that I ask or maybe a little shock. Like maybe they're just like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I can't believe that you've asked me that question. <laughs> Where yeah. men tend to want to clarify. So they'll go, did you mean this or did you mean this? Which they're more open yeah. for the conversation. With women, for me, it's always had to be a little bit more of a gentle approach. What are your views? Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on this? How does this make you feel? You know, what happens for you? Because men and women are so completely different. For women, what is the most taboo subject that you haven't talked about yet that might be coming up? Um, I mean, the orgasm. You know, we live in an African society where mm. are women allowed to orgasm? Are women allowed to pleasure themselves sexually? <laughs> you know, it's, it's conversations like that. There's also, you know, being gay in Kenya is against the law. It's a period. It's against the law. Um, so, you know, when, when countries like um, the United States or places in Europe, you're talking about how do you identify as. In Kenya, we cannot even have those conversations. But these are conversations that need to be had because our children are growing up 
and they're they're more aware and they need to they need to have some guidance as to who they are and and what they stand for so pinky we we talk a lot and we hear a lot about being psychologically safe or being emotionally brave we talk about that with the kids and we have that conversation with the, our peer groups the people that were around how do men get more involved in creating a psychologically safe or a space for people to become emotionally brave? Hmm. I think they need to be aware of their EQ first. You know, I, I always encourage the men in my world to, to be in touch with their mental health and be okay with the fact that they may be struggling with something. Um, so once you are self-aware, then you're able to be of assistance to anyone else. It's that whole you know thing of wear your life jacket first and then help somebody else. So be be okay with you know breaking down or having a, a, a hard day, and and then being aware of what's making you go down this route or. Uh, and that's why, you know, when I talk about this, the ge- gender-based violence, it's, it's, it's a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. What are we not allowing our men to be? Um, and that is weak, or we're not allowing them to cry, or, you know, we're, we, it's this whole thing of boys don't cry. So right. I think that when men step into the fact that they are human beings first with real emotions, then they're able to heal themselves and then go forward and, and support, um, you know, everything else. Do you talk about tonality and tenor with men, especially when they have daughters or when, you know, their wives or their mothers, when you notice something? I know we have recently interviewed a bunch of coaches who coach women athletics. And one of the biggest things that they talk about is how they actually talk. How do they show up? for their team and how do they address them? Do you talk about tenor and tonality? I'm not spoken about it uh, publicly, but I am always aware of how my husband talks to my daughter or my kids. And, you know, if he's had a rubbish day, it's taken out on, on my kids. And I'm like, oh, easy, easy there. You know, don't snap. Don't be, you know, just take it down. And I think that's really, really important. I think that you've brought something up uh, to my attention that maybe I, I will start looking into because we don't understand, you know, it's not only how it's, it's, um, and on what, on what level you're saying it. Right. I mean, I think, I think, so one of the things that we talk about a lot is delivery. So like you can, yeah. you, it's not what you say, but maybe how you yeah. say it how that you causes say it, the yeah. connection or the engagement or the, the bristle that, you know, I, I can't yeah. hear you anymore. And mm-hmm. so I know, Again, one of the things I, you know, obviously with the two boys that I have and with my husband and just with male friends, I'm like, whoa, 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 take it down. Or, you know, I yeah. know you feel like you're here, but you're really here. So let's take a deep breath. I mean, and one, thing, one thing, um, when I got married um, and, you know, you know, I've, I've told you who my mom is, vocal. And I, uh, when I got married, I'd already gone through 10 years of my media career. And I remember trying to get a point across to my in-laws and they both said to me, don't shout. And I'm like, I'm not shouting, 
I'm just stepping into my power and making a point. And they're like, don't shout. And then because of that, it took, it took me, it took me back. And I was sort of like very cautious about mm-hmm. how I spoke. And since then, I'm like, no, I, I need to be able to make a point and I'm not shouting. You're like, I will shout. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will shout. So you're like, I will shout and I will shout very loud. <laughs> In your experience with talking to so many women over this time, have you gotten the answer to your question, what women want? Um, they want <clears throat> a dress with pockets and they want to eat without putting on weight. <laughs> But I think one of the things that a a gentleman who was on my show, when I asked him, what do women want? He said, I think they just want respect. Um, Mm. But Mm. I feel like there's so much more, you know, and it's such a it's such a great thing because we constantly are looking for stuff. We, We always want stuff. We always want to know more and more and more. And that's why. Um. I think this is a subject that we can always just sort of discover. It's what do women want? What do what do we want on Monday? We don't want the same thing on Friday. No. Well, I think that's it. That I think that that and I and you know what? I mean, if we're if we're fair, okay, if we're fair and we're loving and honest to the men that love us, okay, I think they're just trying to put you know like catch it, like put the finger up, put the mark on it, like what? And it's ever changing and it's ever evolving and. Like you said, I That's mean, it, it could be, you know, Monday to Saturday, but it also could be from 30 to 40. It's just That's ever it. changing. And I think when you have that deep connection and that engagement, and then most importantly, Pinky, the EQ and the communication yeah. around it, not every day has to be an amazing day. It doesn't have to be a 10 every day. So you know the show is all about obstacles to opportunities and blessings mm-hmm. that you get from that obstacle that you didn't believe was an obstacle. What is your biggest obstacle that you've been able to turn into an opportunity? Oh, I've had so many. <laughs> I think my biggest obstacle was internally was self-doubt. Um, I don't know where it came from. I'm still trying to understand and discover that. But then it's the opportunity is continuously battling with the self-doubt and that inner critic and showing her who's boss um, by just keeping promises to myself, by elevating and evolving and constantly doing better. Um, And, you know, even if I, I do have a bad day, I think I would do better than I did yesterday, which probably could be a great day. Yay. One of the best days yesterday. But today, if I'm having a bad day, I think just by being honest with myself about the fact that it's a bad day, I'm doing better than I was yesterday. So that's how I turn obstacles into opportunity. Pinky, you're such an incredible soul, and I'm so happy to call you a friend, and I can't wait to give you a gigantic hug and kiss and just be together again. Where can our listeners find more or get involved with the things that you're working on? So all my social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Wow. You came to the other side. (laughs) And Facebook is Pinky Gilani. The spelling is right here. Absolutely. (laughs) I came to the other side. 
I caved. I caved as an over 40 year old woman. I caved and I do TikTok. Badly, you know what's crazy? My kids are trying to get me to do it. And um, and every parent or every every kind of people in our, my peer group going, your kids want you to. Like my kids are ticked that I'm actually on it. <laughs> my kids are literally shoving it down my throat going, mom, you need to TikTok. I'm like, what am I going to yeah. TikTok? <laughs> so you enjoy awesome. it once you do it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe I'll wait for you in Paris and we'll do it together. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can do that together. <laughs> Thank you again for your time and for joining. It was such a great time spending with you. And I look forward to seeing you again in the future. Thanks for listening to Spin It. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be notified when a new episode is released. Also, head over to YouTube to check out all of the live videos on our new podcast channel, Spin It with Stephanie Malik. The best way to support the show is to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you want to hear more from me, hop over to Instagram and follow me at Stephanie Malik. That's Stephanie with a Y, S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E Malik, M-A-L-I-K, or visit my website at stephaniemalik.com.